All right. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we are exploring the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff to get the questions answered you need answered to build, make the right decisions when building your digital learning ecosystem. Today, I'm joined again by Jordan Fladell from M-Level, and we are talking about navigating the purchasing minefield when it comes to learning technology. So interesting topic. For those of you joining us live, be sure to give us a like, a thumbs up, share the post, and tag in some folks who might benefit from this conversation. But before we get started, uh, the question of the week this week is very appropriate. Uh, Marcello, you, you've inspired us by this one because of your comment about our lack of hair. Uh, so we thought a good start to this would be, what is, Jordan, you got to tell us, what is the childhood? And we debated what childhood means, and I'm okay with where we landed, but what childhood hairstyle are you most embarrassed or proud of, depending on, on how you want to define it? Well, thank God my children aren't watching this, but I, I distinctly remember when I was 19, uh, heading down to a spring bake in Daytona with a spiked hair uh, that you literally spike short, tiny spikes on the top of my hair, cut across, and then completely being bleached by lemon juice over a four-day period so that I had orange hair and a picked up diamond stud earring in my ear with it. So um, it, was, it was quite an embarrassing feat uh, before I had made it to adulthood. Uh, and probably the precipice for why I have such a shiny bald head today. Okay. Okay. For those of you watching, I'd love to hear your your most embarrassing hair story. So make sure to po post them in the comments. Um, so for mine, so, okay, I have to ask a follow-up though. Was the bleach, the lemon bleach thing a long-term thing or was it just a, a short-term thing? It was a very short-term thing. I uh, When I got back home, uh, I will just say that uh, as I arrived back home from spring break and my mother and I sat down for uh dinner that that evening upon return she made it very clear that an orange orange hair color was not by design um okay. it was probably, i was 20 years too early i guess or 30 years too early because apparently i didn't wear any color hair i wanted right now yeah yeah no that's true well and the reason i asked was my mine right i bleached and tipped my hair for a good chunk of time in my in my early years which is probably like you said why i don't have much left but uh, <laughs> There are no shortage of embarrassing pictures where I thought I was looking pretty cool with my bleached hair. I, sometimes it was orange, but I, I had it done, so it, it actually was white. But, well, uh, yeah. that, that's the benefit of coming from my generation is we didn't have cell phones or no one took pictures. <laughs> There's no record of this other than the five people who were with me on that trip who I'm still friends with. It's probably it's probably <laughs> for the best. The, the worst part was, though, one time I, I decided I was going to color it, too, after I would bleached it, and I thought I'd turn it red, but the red bled all over the top. And so literally I had a red circle on the top of my head and white hair. It looked, <laughs> it was, it was terrible. That, that would probably cap for right. the most. You'd be, trending, you'd be trending on Instagram though with that right now. Or YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's good. Cell phones weren't, weren't around when I was doing that either. So, right. so yeah, well, um, well, thanks for being here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I know there's been a lot of activity on and questions um, around things like this coming up. And uh, so, yeah, oh my, it's funny. Somebody chimed in before we get into it. My brother chimed in. He said, don't forget, I used to put a Nike symbol shaved in the back of my head. So that, I guess that would maybe also qualify as embarrassing. Um, but so let's get into this. So we're talking about this purchasing minefield. And I think there's some some big things that we wanted to talk about. We started talking about them before we before we went live. Uh, and, and I think we'll definitely run out of time before we get into it. But why, when we talked last year, we brought this up as a topic. And I'm curious, because I was on board, but I guess I never asked a follow-up question. Why was this such an important topic for you? 
Yeah, I mean, so, you know, obviously, you know, M-Level being in the uh, emerging learning technology space, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, is near and dear to my heart to make, to help people understand the technology buying process, because often we're in what I'll call the initial pursuit stage with a, with a prospect where they've reached out to us. And, you know, they're like, hey, we're, we're in search of a, a tool, whether, it, you know, in early days it was gamification, micro learning, a lot of days it's about learning analytics. Yep. And um, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll reach out, say, this is the things I need. They'll put a feature set together. We'll have an initial conversation. And then you know, the next thing I know, they'll be like, well, wait, we've got to issue this RFP. You got to go down this process. And then they don't select us because some vendor somewhere uh, selected and filled out the RFP. Uh, maybe it's an incumbent that says, yes, they can do the following things. And then about six months to a year after that process is over, I'm back on the phone with that same person. And I get the response of, well, the, they said they could do an RFP, but it didn't exactly work as it was supposed to. And, you know, it's it's this kind of mea culpa, but they, they don't, there's, there's there's clearly a challenge that's being presented to that learning technologist or learning buyer that you know really to me is an opportunity for improvement not only for the learning professional but for the corporations themselves that they're responsible for serving and the shareholders that fund those corporations and pay for those daily operations right so yeah. um, you know it's kind of a three pronged approach of why I care so much but yes um, you know that's what kind of pumped it up so there's the there's some stake in it for you and I get that right and, and but but like we talked about before it really is about and, and it's the whole premise of this show and why I started doing this was we need to we need to demystify and we need to get through some of this stuff because it's ultimately inhibiting us from being able to move forward when we get stuck in some of this stuff. And, you know, we talked about it with the RFP process before we came live. And I think this is one that those of you watching probably are very familiar with if you've ever gone through the technology buying process. It started, you, know, you shared a little bit about it. It started from a good place, I think. I think it started from a good place. It's since grown teeth, you know, fangs, claws, and become in many ways an inhibitor of innovation versus versus an enabler of it. I guess would be would be the way I put it. You know, what's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think the RFP when, it, when it, the original days of early RFPs were generally to prevent people from buying from their friends without doing due diligence. Yep. Right, or being business being bought. Um, it really started on the auspice of that. Now it's really turned into this um, um, process design and its intent to gather information to make the company make the best decision. But the problem with it is, is an RFP is a, is a document that creates an us versus them relationship right from the get go. Right. So now we've taken this person who's supposed to be our business partner and we've set them up on the table and said, you respond to this document. And I'll get back to you in my black box and let you know when I'm ready to talk to you. Yeah. Inside that RFP, by the way, is a list of items. Those items don't generally contain detail. They say things like, do you have gamification? Yes. Do you have micro learning? Yes. Do you have uh, learning analytics? Yeah. Yes. By the way, with no definition, what does yes mean? No, no follow up to things like what does it cost to implement gamification on your system? Just because I have it doesn't mean that it works without you spending more money. So it's saying yes to something. You know, there are words with responses that go in a matrix. The matrix doesn't deal with anything other than analysis and doing analysis on what people's responses were and scoring them based on their response. Not the quality of the response, by the way. It's the response of did you say yes or no? Right. Well, and and having gone through this more times than I can count, right? That's where this whole critical analysis behind it comes into play that a lot of times doesn't happen. It it turns into a an exercise of checking boxes, right? Let's see who checks the most boxes. And I think before even getting to this, one of the things that I think ultimately contributes to some of this problem is not starting with that 
outcome of what are we trying to do first, right? We, we're going to a feature chase. And I think you said that either now or before where we said you're chasing a feature. You know, we need gamification. We need micro learning. Let's, let's chase that. And then let's come up with a list of things that we think might be relevant to that. And then let's go through the box and, and check those boxes. And I think that I've seen that go south many times. Well, I'll argue it goes further than that. I actually think it starts That's before fair. the RFP, before you start chasing the feature, before it's not the outcome base. It's because there's there's no um, there's a person in our LinkedIn post or that we were going through that talked about uh, lacking a seat at the table and getting brought to the table when the business has finally decided that they're ready to do something, then be asked to create a solution that then leads to the RFP process. And I apologize for being direct to the person in the LinkedIn feed, but the reality is you got to earn the seat at the table and that's where this starts. If you're constantly thinking about the outcome base, if you're constantly interacting with the business and providing them value, then you're not going to be chasing technology. You are going to be dealing with outcomes because that's where it starts. You're not in the room to have the conversation about it. You're being told the outcome that's being created. So just, just it's play a fair with point. It's right. a fair point. And right. I think that's it's it's reasonable to say, right, if you're chasing outcomes without they come naturally when you have that seat you don't need to try and figure out what they are because you know right. what they are because you're basically sitting at the table saying hey you know okay wow i just heard you say this is struggling or this is our challenge now i hear your pain versus you showing up at my desk with a commit because remember that meeting that occurred before they got to you to ask you to go find the technology to go solve the problem to create the outcome there were business there was discussion there were business discussions happening business discussions. what's going on Right. That's someone not summarizing for you to go get the outcome. And now you're going to say, and I think that you're right. You do need to determine what the outcome is to go find a solution. But even further, if you can get yourself in the room to be discussing and hearing the pain, then when my hands over here, the pain, then you're going to have that challenge up there. So yes, but you are right that you need to identify what am I trying to accomplish before searching technology um, first. Uh, and then you need to do due diligence, not on new vendors. But you need to do diligence internally um, because part of the other buying technology problem is the, the technology department doesn't want more things to maintain. And, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm just. You know, no, it's, I, I laugh because I've, I've been part of those conversations where, you know, you first start talking to the technology department and you go, I'm from L&D and I want to talk about this, this thing that I'm and they just look at you like, here we go again. Right. The right. eyes roll. Well, remember, if I, I always tell people walk in other people's shoes, right? So right. now the technologist's life is, you know, especially the support group or has to maintain a system. Yeah. It's got, I mean, all the people do is bark at you all day long. This right. isn't working. That's not working. This, you know, so constantly being barked at, right? Then, then you're coming down the hallway, shiny object. I just got this request. I want to go implement a whatever. I'm not going to pick on learning, whatever it is, this learning technology. And, you know, some organizations don't even bother to do this, but most should stop you and say, have you done your due diligence yet to determine we can't do this internally? Yep. The answer of I know it is, is not correct. The answer is I actually have, I've gone and looked at all of our systems and while SharePoint can do X and while this tool can do yep. Y and while this, it's really not gonna meet our goals, let me tell you. Then the technology is your business partner. Then they're like, holy, I get it, we need it, we need it for the business reason. Yep. Now they're interested in supporting what you need versus saying, great, now I'm gonna have a tool that does, I have my 17th portal I'm launching this month that does something different. Um, <laughs> You know, which well, is and I think so, so what we're getting at is an important takeaway from this, that the technology buying process doesn't start with the RFP. I mean, it doesn't start with once you've decided already, hey, we're buying this thing. Now we're going to go through this process. It really starts to your point, goes back first to 
you know, building that that relationship with the business to the point where you're part of those discussions, you're in those sessions where you're hearing the pain and you're bringing that expertise to say, I hear this is what's going on and challenging it, you know, digging into it and understanding, okay, now I understand what this is. Now let's talk about, you know, what might be able to help solve it. Do your due diligence. That's that's the other part of it. Um, you know, I, very few organizations I've talked to or have worked with don't have anything, right? Sometimes the 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 react, you know, the kind of knee jerk reaction of, well, we don't have this. Well, you you probably do. You probably do in some capacity if you really if you really dig into it. Yeah, and think about how many friends you're going to make in that process. The the IT department's going to be super appreciative of the fact that you went and did all the homework. The procurement organization you're asking to go jump in is going to understand you've done part of their heavy lifting for them. Right. I've gone through and I met with, and I'm just going to give an example. I met with marketing who had a portal where we interact with our sellers in the field. Um, I reviewed the portal with them. I understood it. I met with the vendor who supports the portal and the technology. And what I've come to the conclusion is, is that even though that's a nice portal, um, we can't use that to reach this training goal with our external sales force. So that's why we need this. That conversation yep. that you get on the other side is not going to be one of uh, rolling my eyes. Here comes no. another one of these business. This person, okay, I've got one in, the, in line here that has basically done the homework, gone through the exercise, evaluated what we've already invested in, and now they're moved, they're ready to have a conversation. So now I have a partnership internally, which, by the way, I don't have. I know that I know it's a challenge to work sometimes internally with your partner, business partners oh. to get the RP written right and yep. approved and documented. But now think how excited they are to participate when you've done their homework for them, yeah. right? You've done the heavy lifting, the heavy lifting happens. They show you're committed, that gets you to that. Plus, by the way, you're gonna learn a bunch along the way. Well, and, and going along with that, this is where the need for us as an industry to upskill ourselves in some of this technology and understand how this stuff really works and what the capabilities are so that when you go look at that marketing portal, you don't just look at it as, Ooh, that looks pretty, but you understand. And this is how it works. This is how it operates. This is what kind of capabilities it has, what it connects with, with what it doesn't connect with. So that when it asks you, have you looked at XYZ platform? You're not just saying, yeah, but I don't like it. It's right. a, well, no, these are, these are the things we needed to be able to do. These are the things that we needed to be able to support and Unfortunately, we can't, or it doesn't work like that, and that's why we've we've eliminated it as an opportunity. Absolutely. So, so let's let's dig into this one a little bit more as as we look at that, because the other this is the, where the balancing act can come in, especially for those of you watching who may be from large global organizations. You can get lost in that phase too. And I think sometimes that that is a challenge where if you're trying to scout out every possibility around the world of every possible solution that may exist, you may completely never move anywhere. Now, how 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 do you handle or when you've worked with people, how do you help them navigate that balancing act of not trying to uncover every possible rock? Because you could spend the rest of your career just doing that in some organizations. Yeah. So I think when you're in a global company, I think the first thing you do is you isolate down region first, right? Am I doing a global search or am I solving a regional problem, right? So I deal with a lot of global companies and there'll be times like, this is an America's problem or this is a European Union problem or this is a APAC or a MIA region problem, right? So you, you got to first understand what, where, what you're trying to solve. So that's the first step. The second step is you got to make friends in places, right? You got to make friends in the business, right? So that's what helps the process, right? I'm not, I'm not suggesting you say, call it that. Can I get access to all of our portals across the entire world? <laughs> not, not this is a question. I'm, I, I'm not even slightly suggesting that. 
What I am suggesting is let's go back to the example of the LinkedIn feed that where you have the wonderful woman who put that post there of her frustration, which I really appreciate. So let's say, well, let's, let's just take a really, let's say the sales team uh, has come in and they have the request. They've made the inbound request, right? Because unfortunately today we're still uh, as an industry, mostly in the order taker space versus the proactive solution space. So there's a pain, pain exists. I got to the, solve the pain. Stick in their ecosystem. Right. Okay, great. Thank you, VP of sales, director of sales, insert title here. I'd love to see how you're communicating with your associates today. What technologies you use to do that before I dive into it. Now, when I've said that question, what have I done? I've isolated my footprint to a small, narrow area. You don't have the obligation to going back to IT and saying, look, I've uncovered, look, globally in the European in our Germany region, we have a portal that the HR department uses to do benefits that can be repurposed. That's not the... No, 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 no. I'm not saying you all are now the new yeah. technology optimization strategist across the company, but you are doing the due diligence within that business person's portfolio to get access. Now, think about that question, right? That question is going to do two things. One, it's going to limit the amount of work you have to do to find out what they have. Uh, benefit, right? Makes it easy. Two, the business partner is going to turn and really appreciate that response. Yep. And what are you going to learn about along the way? Their business. The way they were doing it. Right. Maybe you get to have a conversation with a sales rep who says, OK, I've seen this portal. Um, it's whatever designed to do whatever. This is the communication vehicle. And now I need to deliver training through it. OK, I got it. And this training has to be measured. To find, OK, got it. Oh, let me just talk to a rep. How do they how do they interact? What do they think yeah. of the portal today? So if a rep says, you know, I know the sales leader loves this portal, but it is a POS. I hate it. <laughs> it's a POS. I never use it. It's too clunky. I can't get it on my phone. I don't do now I have ammunition to go back and say, oh, my God. The portal's here. It could do the job because it does provide A, B, and C functionality. However, when I spoke to the field, what I learned is they don't access it. They don't use it because they don't have the time. So they want a simple, elegant thing that shows up on their phone. I should make a phone. I can figure out like a phone, right. This day, right? Whatever. Small phone. That's my challenge. And now I'm going after a targeted nuance with the business support, the IT department. And now I can ask vendors very detailed questions. As I have all the ammunition and information I need. Yes. Well, and I can't count how many times that that has because, again, it's a twofold. It's a twofold value for you as an L&D professional, because one, getting back to that, if you're trying to build a seat at the table, it's a good step to do it because it shows you care. You know, you're interested and you're trying to work within their business versus coming and saying, right, I know this. This is what you need for your business when maybe you don't. And and I can say there have been multiple times where you start digging and looking under rocks and you go, you know what, maybe we don't, you know, maybe we do need to tap into this or this, or you learn something about this is the way works really flowing. And so we need to figure out, even if we need an additional technology, how do we incorporate it into this? So you can't ask those questions about, well, you say integration and you check that box, but what does integration really look like? Because this is the way work happens can you tie into that? Right. Just because a vendor says they have an integration, they have not lived in your world, right? Correct. We don't We don't work every day inside large companies. A lot of these points, companies that look like end level are tiny. Um, so they live in a world where they're able to do that. And a lot of other companies are big software companies loaded with technologists, loaded with people who know how to use stuff. So they, they can make assumptions and they have the resources to do it. They don't live in your world. Your world is yours. Um, our world is ours and their world is theirs. And so if you're able to provide a very uh, detailed analysis up front, 
you're going to get a better result through that process. And you're also going to be able to understand and understand where the potential pitfalls are. And like I said, I think the biggest value is that added seat to the table. If you want to get to that table, basically let show them you care. And then all of a sudden they're going to want you in the room because your opinion was valuable. Yeah. Right. And that's the key. People don't want people in the room just to, you know, to, to hear what they have to say. Even if they think that the other, even if the person coming to the room thinks they have value of what it is, if I don't respect you before you walked in, I'm certainly not going to respect you when you show up to talk to me. But if you add value, surprise me with value, all of a sudden your brand raises in my world. And all of a sudden I'm like, hey, we shouldn't have this meeting without Chris. Right? Has anybody called Chris? <laughs> right? that, no. that people say that a lot. <laughs> I, I, I imagine. I mean, that's why I use you as an example because you're you're brand. I don't want to have this conversation without Chris because I think we're not going. I think we're going to do something that's short sighted because, in my experience, Chris. You ever you know in the organization, everybody knows it. And people on the phone nod. They've been to a meeting and somebody says, "Wait, is so and so here?" I don't want to start till this person gets here. Or somebody didn't show up yet and they're late, and ah, we can just go on without them. Right? When they do that, I can go on without them. You know what that means? It's it's a nice way of saying. Eh, they're whatever. They're not going to add any value anyway. If they miss something, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Right. Well, and and it goes back to. I actually was having a discussion this week about uh, about this. Is the term you used is the one that I think is the one that goes right along. It's respect. It's mm -hmm. a respect thing. It's respecting the business leaders and the role they play. It's respecting the the people that are doing the actual work and understanding that they they know more than we do as L and D people, and that's okay. There are things we know more about than they do, but there's a mutual respect of I respect that this is where you are. This is the role I play versus it's very disrespectful when someone comes in claiming they know more than you do and they aren't in your chair and you go, well, OK, thanks. Right, right exactly. Like, appreciate you. Thanks for coming by. <laughs> thanks for stopping by. Uh, the South, they might say something like this heart, meeting right? without, without Christopher. Right, thanks. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And his silly hair stories. <laughs> so, so with this, because you see it right on your side, I mean, I've, I've gone through this a number of times, but on the vendor side, I can only imagine how many times you go through this. What are some of the things that we maybe haven't already mentioned, or are there, are there ones where you just, you, you watch and you go, this is gonna, this is gonna go South. This is, this is a landmine that they are, their, their foot is on they're standing on it right now and it's going to go. Are there any other ones that, that come to mind? Yeah. I mean, so there are two, two things that I look for in the pursuit process that generally get my, um, my red flags flying everywhere. Um, it used to be any RFP would drive me insane. I've kind of gotten a little off that soapbox. Absolutely. I'm not off it forever, but uh, we'll just say that's it. But the first one is when it becomes a, um, I'm hiding things relationship. Okay. Um, so let me describe what that means. So we'll often tell the prospect, I can't share this with you. I don't want to tell you this. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to review what you've built for me as a demo before it goes in front of the committee. I don't want to, I won't respond to any of your questions anymore. Okay. I'm bound by the rules of operations of our procurement process. Um, these are words that basically mean we are not building a partnership, right? And once that happens, that means I have a person on the side who is going down a process that they have built a list of things they don't understand. Okay. okay. I mean, it's really funny. Like, you know, I'll, I'll use the example, right? I have multiple people these days talking about using X API, unbelievably powerful tool for the 70 people that can code and implement API, X API, an unbelievably powerful tool for the systems that are able to take the data feed of X API. And unbelievably valuable for the people who are actually using the data value, the data that's created from XAP for anything before value. What I will share is that in our deep due diligence of talking to all of our 
and customers and prospects, what I hear back is we're using XAPI to track who took the test, right? How long they spent on task, and the completion results. Yep. So what are you doing? You're basically replacing SCORM with a much more richer version of SCORM. But by the way, what are you doing with the data? Where are you storing it? I can't store it anywhere. Our LMS data doesn't support it. I can't store it anywhere. I bought an LRS, but the LRS isn't implemented yet, and I can't get what I need out of it, right? Yep. So it, 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 it's, it's funny to me, right? Because now you're chasing, you're chasing a feature. You're not chasing a business problem, yep. right? What are you doing? Just having a permanent record of everything isn't a business problem. You already have a record keeper, right? You got one, right? Why? So tell me, I'm going to chase XAPI because I want to get question level statement analysis. I want to build dashboards and I'm going to turn back to the business and allow them to take action from the learning experiences. The XAPI is going to drive our dynamic um, AI that we're building that's going to feed automatic course delivery through our uh, learning experience portal and our content library. Oh, my God, that's that's awesome. Let's go do that. Right, that's a great that's a great conversation. Right. right. Oh, I'm going to go get XAPI. It's not on the shelf. I'm buying XAPI today. Thanks. Call number one. XAPI, thanks. Order delivered. Like the truck you got delivered. Amazon, Shipbox. Yeah, so right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> XAPI is in that package. Chris, go ahead and open it up. Or, yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, I'll bring it. I'll bring and, it. And by the way, it comes out of the box as is. So that's the next one, right? It's like, then I know that the person doesn't ask the next question, which really gets on my under my skin. What does it cost to implement? Right. So those are signs that it creates an adversary relationship. That's when I know that we've kind of like I'm like, OK, this is this is a person who's chasing things versus buying and they're making it. You know, I, I can't stress this enough. And I'm going to say this. It is a partnership. You and a large company are not getting rid of the vendor you choose for a long time because the all the political capital you juiced up to go get your new new shiny object. Right. Nobody forgot that. Yeah. Right. And by the way, the last time I checked, we don't create capital in the L&B business. We don't create capital as in revenue. We may influence it. So we don't get to say, well, that didn't work, but I got to go make more sales or more marketing and more leads from it, right? You know, and there are exceptions. Yeah, there's, there are exceptions. I was going to say, I've carried, I've carried a P&L in L&D, but it's, it's not the norm. For right. Sure. And, and right, if you buy too many shiny objects without doing it, you don't want a confrontational relationship with your partner. Right. Correct. If you beat them up the entire time through the process, they're coming to the table like this. Okay. Right. Yeah, you, you shrunk my price down. You got the discount. I threw in this. I got that. But now you know what? You made the account so much more adversarial versus a partnership that now I'm left in the room with you, Chris, and you and I are there now doing the deployment, and we're like, you're asking me for things, and I'm like, huh, Chris. And now we're, now we're roommates. Right. <laughs> and we signed a three-year agreement. Right. And yeah. we gotta live in the same place. No, right, so I, right, right. You know, so you 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 know you wouldn't do that with your roommate, right? Exactly, a good example, right? You wouldn't. Well, and roommate. that's that is you know that is one of the things that really was one of the genesis of this show was there is a lot of this adversarial relationship, and I see it. I see it frequently. Um, you know, this us versus them on the practitioner side versus the vendor side, and it's not productive. It's not productive. Um, you know, and, and are, are there, I'm sure if people are watching or in the comments, are there examples where things have gone south? Sure. I, I'm sure I know what happens. I've been part of those things that happens, but that's not the norm. And I think as an industry, we can't operate off the exception versus the standard because not having that partnership will completely annihilate your success and the potential for success. You, you want to be able to pick the phone up and know that that person's got your back. Yes. Well, how are you going to have your back on somebody who's just beating the pants off you? 
who's played cloak and dagger with you, who's, you know, played, you know, hide and go seek, um, you know, all things which are super. It's a trust, right? We yeah, talked about respect. respect. It's a yeah. trust. There's right. no you, trust. Right. If you say, I'm going to get back to you within two weeks and you don't even bother writing an email weekend saying, hey, we're not, we're running behind schedule. My legal counsel did X, my IT department had Y. And then all of a sudden two weeks go by and then, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. That's not a partnership. Then you're creating because what nobody understands is the person you're working with, the partnership likely has a boss too, right? So they're going down the hallway and they're saying, "Hey, um, customer prospect X is right around the corner. I need to marshal resources for them. I need to make sure we're ready to do the deployment. I need to make sure we're ready to go build these programs. I need to make sure." So I'm asking you, Mr. Bo Mr. And Mrs. Boss, to provide these resources to me and guarantee they're going to be available on this date, right? Right. So now that person goes down the hallway. They say, great, great news, Chris. Great news, Chris. I talked to my boss. We are golden. We are full ready to support this. Boom. Great. Right. You go off in your merry way. You're like, this is cool. And then you don't call back for two weeks. The date goes by. Nothing shows up because you're quite embarrassed, probably. And I get it. You know, I got left held to dry. I made these promises. Now somebody else didn't do it. I, and I'm afraid to have I'm afraid to have the moral courage to have the conversation with the person on the side. So instead, I'm going to hide. Yep. Right. And then what happens? That rep's like, well, rep has a boss. Boss comes in and says, hey, it's uh, it's yeah, we rallied people. all these resources right. for you. We've done right. all this because you said in two weeks we were going to have this and right. what's going on. And now right. and right. now they're getting well, their well, cage rattled. Right. And now when you come back four weeks later, what's going to happen? Well, you told me you had all these resources. I did four weeks ago. And now already we're at where we're in this we're already at conflict. We haven't even gotten a chance to go on our first venture together and we're already lined up going yes. uh, now this one i can't trust this one i can't you know, this and then your it's, next choice is a turnaround where this this just continues to go south further right. and further down the line and and it is and it's why i am so passionate about this topic because really we need each other we, yeah. we, we need each other and that's and that vulnerability and willingness to say look we we you got you get it on the pr provider side. You get things go south. You get budgets get snuffed. You get things change. That's okay. Just let's have the transparency. Let's have that conversation so we feel like trusted partners. We can talk through it. We can strategize around it. And you know, I I, I agree. And I think that's where you know with this purchasing stuff, it's not you're not a commodity. Uh, and I think that's where it can go south is when you're looking at learning technology is nothing more than a commodity that we purchase when we need it. But once we get that partnership going, here's the added benefit. Forget the first implementation. When you need that thing and it's because procurement's at the end of the year and, and they, they're backed up with other deals and your, yours didn't make the top of the list because it's they're working on a massive supply chain deal to make sure they have the one core ingredient to make the product work, you're never going to get anybody's attention. Yeah. With that, right? I'm sorry. yeah, that gamification platform you wanted to bring in, I'm sorry, that is not at the top of our priority. <laughs> well, you need an add-on added or you need some work done, whatever it is from that same partner. They don't. They can't trust you. Right. So they can't go back to their boss and say, hey, I know that this gigantic corporation who has tall types of integrity, who's been our great business partner, who's done everything they said they're going to do. Right. That's an easy conversation. Someone walks in my office as a CEO and says, hey, this customer who's always been our great partner needs you to start the work today and they'll get you the invoice and everything else a month later. I'll finance that deal. Right. But if somebody calls me on the phone and says, you know, who's been, who's, who was tough in the sales buying process, who kind of always doesn't do what they're supposed to do in the buying process. I ain't lifting a finger because I can't trust you because you don't deliver on it because you're not a partner because you've created an adversarial relationship. You don't show up to calls. You don't value the relationship. You can't, you know, 
the jumping how high philosophy of lap dogs only works so long until the dog gets big enough to bite you. Well, this goes back to, and, and that right there goes back to even just when you think about basic leadership principles, right? And then, now this is a whole, we're not even talking about learning technology, but it's just that, right? When you, when you rule with a, with a hammer, it'll get you compliance. It'll get maybe people to, to move across the line, but that's, that's it. That's, that's as far as you'll get them to go. And once that, once that hammer disappears, like, boom, people are gone. You also get a free test at the culture of the relationship if you partner, right? Right. You get, you get, that's what the prospecting process should be is a test of the cultural relationship you're going to have with that partner, right? Technologies, yeah. technology evolves, ecosystems change. So you, you, now we'll move into what happens. So you buy it, right? And most technology today is cloud-based, right? So we'll, let's, let's assume the majority, there are some still on-premise solutions that are out there. So I don't want to say the whole world's gone cloud, but let's just say that all the innovations in the cloud. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. No, no one's on record. <laughs> no, no one's spending money to build fancy client server apps. They're just not, they're not doing it. They're, they're yeah. trying to figure out how fast. Well, they can it's get a fair point. It's a fair okay. point. Okay, great. So here's the thing about the cloud. It operates on the internet, right? The internet runs on a network. So we're going to get a little complicated here. The network has an organization in your call group called network operations. They run your next corporate network. They make changes to protect the corporate network. Let's say one of those changes is they change what the, you, the approved URL. I know. I've had this happen. I've had it happen. Right? Well, the likelihood the vendor changed the IP address on their platform, very low. Very, very low. low. Just to be clear. I mean, <laughs> just call it spade a spade. People do port, But it's a low likelihood. So now what happens? You're, you're, you're sitting at your desk, your phone rings, your business unit in some faraway country in the morning. You're rich, about to do a major release and they can't theoretically about to do a major, major, major right. launch and something nobody can access it. So now what do you do? You pick the phone up and you start railing. God damn it. You told me, sorry, excuse my French, but you, you told me this thing's going to be, and the person, what, what are you talking about? We're fully operational. Everything's here. It's fully live. Here, look at it on my screen. I can show it to you. Well, why can you see it? Nice not. Well, if you talk to your network administrators, why would I talk to them? Well, then you have to explain whitelisting, IP addresses, blah, 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 blah. Oh, what can you do to help? Nothing, because in the process, we don't have a partnership. But in a partnership, get me on the phone, because under the SLA, under the contract rules, I'm not at fault, right? Once, as a vendor, I'm out, you have two choices to be. You could be a great partner, right, and help the person solve the problem. Sometimes, we're, by the way, if you have a great partner, they're solving problems that aren't just theirs, yeah. right? Because they're on the phone talking to your network administrator because they speak a foreign language in network administration, right? One that you don't understand, right? As a learning professional, what is a whitelist? Who's a URL? Right. You know, what is an IP address? What is an IP address? address? Right, right. What, who, I need a DNS. What's a DNS? Yep. You know, a bumper sticker? What, what, what do I do with that, right? So, you know, now- My driver's license is current. <laughs> right, like somebody told I can drive. What do you, what do you want me to go to DNS? Yeah. Um, but the point being is, is you've got this partner now who's going to get on the phone and say, hey, put me in touch with your network administrator. Let's discuss whether there any network changes. Did you get any emails that read the following things? Oh, I did. Cool. Get to that email. Now let's send that email across. This is going to be fixed in about seven minutes as long as you have a great partnership with your network operations team. Right. Call the network operations team. Boom. Even better, the strategic partner you're outsourcing the business to, especially in the contact center space or support space, changed their network last night. It's happened to all of us. And I think going, going back to something that we had talked about earlier, this is why 
it is so critical as we move into this digital space for us as L&D professionals. No, we don't need to become IT experts, but we do need to better understand some of these things so that instead of picking up the phone and, and yelling at your vendor when you can't access the app, you realize, hey, something's breaking down. That call is very different now. It's a, this is what's going on. Can you help me with that? I'm trying to figure this out. And yeah, we all lose our cool. It happens. But but it when you've built that trusted partnership, people understand when you lose your cool that a this happened. It's not the norm. This is something that, you know, we're we're just experiencing temporarily. Good. So with it, let's let's go into the RFP thing a little bit more. And I know it's a hot button for you, but it's one that I think it's not going away. I think organizations love it, hate it. It's there. Let's talk about how to make the most of that and make it work in an environment that's beneficial for you as a learning practitioner, but also so that the vendor doesn't feel like they're just at the beck and call of an organization being asked to fill out checkboxes. You know, what are some best practices that you can say from your side, hey, this is the kind of stuff we realize we're going to have to go through an RFP. This is what you can do to help it be as successful as possible and not let it create tension between us, you know, before we even sign on the dotted line. Uh, so uh, besides the obvious one, spend a lot of time um, before you ask for the RFP, doing the research on your own before you turn it over to, vet, to vendor management, which is where it's going to live. Okay. Um, so that's a number one. So don't just say, uh, besides chasing buzzwords, um, don't just say, I need this and let the vendor management team take over. Um, Aimer one, they don't, they don't really understand what you're asking them to do other than to manage the vendor process, right? They may, they may make you the SME and ask you to write it, but they also don't understand what you're looking to accomplish, right? So that's first number one. Number two is, uh, uh, literally put as much detail as you can into the RFP and be very specific, okay. right? Right. So, um, you know, if you, if you want to make sure that they have available integrations from third party content providers define what you mean by integration. What is the company standard for integration? What's the user experience going to be like? And what are the requirements for it? Because if you just write the word, do you provide third-party content sources? Check. Do they integrate into your system? Check. You did not define what integration means, nor did you define what third-party content means. And therefore, I could check both boxes because I can define what integration means to me. And those are, those are too generic. So if you say, I want it to integrate and I want third-party content sources, or I want you to integrate into this platform. That means for us, you must use the standard API provided by this system. So here's the system we want you to integrate into, not do you integrate into, here it is. So if it's it's Workday, it's success factors, it's provided we're not doing an LMS replacement, right? So Workday, success factors, et cetera. Or if you're doing an LMS, I want you to put in this talent management suite. And then as part of your RSP response, I want you to demonstrate it either in a visual. By the way, it's easy to do that because today's world, we can snap a quick, anim- whatever they call it, animate video, go animate, yep. right? Capture the screenshots, take the screenshots and show the example, right? Now, what are you getting for that, right? So first of all, you're getting an example of what it's going to look like, right? So you're not surprised by it. Second of all, you're, you're, you're going to be able to demonstrate to the vendor when they say, well, we said it was, we, we, you, we said, you said integration, that's integration to us means X. Well, now it's not integration. You put a visual in here. You committed to this visual. That's why we selected you. You want to talk about commitment. Here's the visual, right? I want learning analytics. Awesome. What do you want the learning analytics right. to do? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? Because how are you going to use them? How are you going to use it? What are your requirements from that interaction? 
define them. If you can't define them, don't ask for it. Right? I want virtual reality for what? Not, not, not sure. Not <laughs> sure. But I want it. Okay. I want it to be mobile. Okay. Does it, is it a mobile app experience? Is it a, is mobile the tablet or is mobile the iPhone? I mean, sorry, not the iPhone, the phone. Right? And is it does it have to have an app or not have an app? And everybody else has to have an app. So you know, the vendor can say, yes, we have an iPad experience that does work on mobile web, but we also have an app that, will, that we will allow you to have Dedicated your corporate app, right? That you can right. custom brand or whatever. Right. I want my app, I want your app to live in our mobile iron solution or a corporate app store, right? First of all, you have to know you have a corporate app store, but let's just go past that, right? Um, okay, great. Have you done this before? Please demonstrate an example of where you've done this before. Talk to us the level of effort to do this, right? These are all things that are real. They're not unreasonable. You're asking questions. Provide the level of detail because what you don't want is surprises, right? Um, I won't name vendors, but a lot of them will check the boxes because they know that they're going to, they know that if they don't check the boxes, they're eliminated. And all they want to be is brought to the table. And when they're brought to the table, able to have a conversation. big, gigantic companies, okay? They're huge companies or they're new innovative technologies that go in and say, we can do artificial intelligence. My new favorite one. You have our, yes, I have artificial intelligence. Right. Awesome. How do you show it to me? How do you maintain it? How do I make changes to it? All the questions you want to know about artificial, and there's a whole, uh, if you go to our YouTube site, there's a whole thing, how to buy and manage your artificial intelligence project they put together because what does it mean? I mean you know, it's a buzzword. Well, artificial intelligence is as wide as the ocean is deep. That can mean subject to the definition different things. Right. So, right. yeah. So, so really it's the specificity. And this goes back to that, yes, first having the seat at the table, but two, figuring out what are the outcomes that you really need so that you can articulate this is what i want it to be able to do this is how we're going to use that and this is what we need from this so even if you can't get to see the table that same rfp response stop the person in the business okay i want to spend at least two hours with you talking about exactly how you want this experience to be are there any examples can you show it to me visually can you demonstrate where you've seen it before are there other people are there competitors who are doing this that you know about give me all the it's it's Turn your consultant hat on internally and become, or a therapist hat on and ask a bunch of questions, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, you, you go to a therapy session, right? What is it? The therapists are great. They put you on a couch. They ask you questions. You answer them. They repeat the question. You, they repeat your answer to you in a new question, right? Yep. They're masters at getting you to talk and give you information that they never repeat to you in the same process, right? So become a therapist, internal corporate therapist. I'm coming to see you today. And I want to understand your problem. Please take a seat on my couch and we're going to dive deep today into all your issues. Well, issue learning tech talks couches as a result. Exactly. You can bring that, Chris. It's a whole new thing going sponsor on. Sponsor that movement, Jordan. Right, exactly. Um, well, so so the other thing, and this is one of the things that is can be a bit of a delicate balancing act uh, on this on our side. I think is there is because you you brought up the you know putting this whole list, and sometimes, and I've seen them, the lists go through the moon and it's like really what like you're looking for the panacea of <laughs> tech not like you want the thing that does why is making breakfast on this list of requirements I'm hungry but the thing with it that i think sometimes can be challenging that's that can be a little unnerving and terrifying is that you know this is a big process to go through this it's a lot of work you lose a lot of hair through it and so you want to make sure you're trying to purchase something that isn't just going to meet your immediate needs, but at the same time, be able to carry you forward so that you don't get something and then you're you're going, okay, well, that, that got us through, but how do you carry forward? It's a balancing act though, because you can, I've seen, seen it where the list is so long that you say by the time you even operationally are able to implement any of that stuff, 
you'll be retired. So, Chris, so take a step back. I think you brought up an unbelievable point here. Um, and I'm just going to put it out of technology for a second. Yeah. So let's talk about the general practitioner in the, in the medical space, right? You have a doctor, right? You go see a doctor generally, hopefully everyone here on this cast, whatever the requirement is for annual physicals are doing that, right? The moment they identify a problem, the general practitioner does what? Calls a specialist, says you got to go see a specialist, right? Yep. Whether it's in my, my case, I'm going through right now, I'm, I saw a spinal specialist, right? Now I'm going to see a specialized orthopedic surgeon in back surgery, right? Um, these are special. We're dear to you right now. We're dear, right? So this, this is why I'm using this example, right? Yeah, it's perfect. So now let's go to this RFP example. I've thrown the kitchen sink in the RFP. I've picked the best generalist. So I have the general practitioner in the room. What I really need is the best learning analytics platform or the best frontline workforce platform or the best whatever it is. What the general practitioner does not invest in the specialty. They invest in generalities. They are not going to be the best at any one of those things because that's not their core competency, right? So yeah. why would on God's green earth, would I want a general practitioner to solve my specific problem? I would not go to my, I love my general practitioner, family friend, great guy, uh, good family, great people, smart, smart as all, all get out. He's not allowed to touch my back, um, nor will he be near my back other than to provide advice on who he would talk to about the back. So yep. in my case, right? Who do you partner with? Who's the best person you have that does X? That's what, go go with the slivers. Now, I know the next thing, but Jordan, now if I have all these slivers, I've got to integrate them in, they've all got to work. They, awesome, because you know what? The key is, and, and, and again, we talked about this in our first talk, the technology world is going to continue to innovate at a pace that's going to be greater than you can keep up with yes. as a company. It, I, it's a guarantee. It's, it, so why buy, it, the minute a vendor tells you they do it all, disqualify them. <laughs> because they don't. They're average at everything. That, Again, no, it's funny. It's funny you bring this up because this is a topic I've had a conversation with a lot of people about recently is this whole, right? Is is the industry moving towards you're going to buy the one thing that does it all or is it going to continue to move to this breaking it down? And I hope it it's not, I don't see it moving this way, but I hope it doesn't move to this one thing because that's what leads us to have these, systems that we've had for decades that don't really meet our needs, but we can't get rid of them because we have everything in it. And the thought of having to pull it all out into something else is just overwhelming versus, as you said, when you have all these slivers and you say, well, this one's not meeting our need anymore, or we're moving in a different direction. It's much easier to unplug that sliver and plug something else in where you need it than to try and revamp the entire system. So think about this one, even within the space itself, right? So I'm gonna take a leap of faith here. And I saw another one of the vendors join your feed and say it was very needed to have this conversation. I believe our friends at EdCast, since I can talk about others, but not myself, it's fine. All learning experience portals are not the same. So when I first learned about Degree, they were talked about as an ultimate curation platform, right? The ability to curate content and provide the best experience. When I hear EdCast talk, I hear about learning in the flow of work. Can they both curate content and deliver learning in the flow of work? Probably, but I'm not on the EdCast product team, nor am I on the Degree product team, nor am I speaking with fact about what their investments are in. And they may call me afterwards and both chew me out. <laughs> but I got to decide what's most important to me. 
Am I trying to solve a curation problem for users to go find content? Or am I trying to deliver learning in the flow of work? Am I trying to figure out how to leverage my Microsoft Teams investment? Or am I just trying to have a better portal that people use? Once that decision's made, I don't have to have a competition between Icast and the Greed. I already know which was better player because one was built for one, the other one wasn't. Now, yes, I'm sure I'm going to get like seven messages from both of them telling me that we do it all. Don't let you say that. Um, not that I'm not, we're that popular, but um, there, even within the nuances of that, Chris, there are like- Well, there, there are. are. Right. And that's where not all not all XYZ platforms are created equal, right. which is why the building these partnerships and getting to know people. It's why I spend so much time talking to you, talking to these right. other companies so that I can understand, hey, this is really where you play best. And so when you have that specific need, this is where this player plays. And and again, you brought it up earlier and we didn't, I was going to dig into it and then I got distracted with something that you said and I forgot to bring it up. Sometimes it is, and this is where that partnership comes into play. Who are you aligned with in terms of strategy, the way you're thinking about things, the way you work? Maybe the platform can flex a little bit and you may say, I'm choosing this platform over this platform, not necessarily because on a text and specs list, they're so different, but because ideologically or where our strategy is going, this one's more closely aligned with that. Yeah, I mean, so you know, when I go to bed at night, my CTO goes to bed at night, we think about analytics and how do we make it easier for people to use learning data to drive results, right? Here's, you know, so last week, we were uh, two weeks ago, we were at the Concero event, great event, great people down there, uh, put on a hell of an event for uh, there. We had a lot of meetings, but in one of our meetings, which I will tell the particular, they showed up on our profile. And I'm like, this person, why did they pick us? I don't understand how they selected us. Why are they, whatever. And my, of course, my, my business development person wants to have a conversation with them about how we can spin the story. And I'm like, no, no, we're going to start off by actually asking why they chose us and then saying, I don't think we're a good fit because I don't think it aligns with anything you're trying to accomplish. Right? It, she tried to figure out ways to use us, by the way. I kid you not. She then at that moment tried to figure out, tell me why I was wrong, um, which is fine. But there's a level of that honesty that has to happen in a relationship. Say, you know what? This is my specific pain. There's a better solution for this than mine, right? I have a, lots of competitors, people who say they're going to do it. You know, I, I have an ultimate respect for them. They have phenomenal products. Uh, they do great work, right? But some of them are just better at things than we are. Does that hurt me to say? No. no if anything, I think that creates, again, it's, it's the vulnerability and trust that goes into, hey, this is where that trust and partnership comes in. And you say, look, we're not we're not the best at this. And I think we on our side, on the practitioner side, need to do a better job of saying, listen, we're not ready to handle some of the capability. We need to right. be back here. We, we aren't there. And if we buy your product, we aren't going to be able to utilize 90% of it because operationally, the way we operate just doesn't work. So yeah, we'll have all the buzzwords, but we won't be doing anything with it. Right. Exactly. Interesting. Uh, this is he. I, you know, whenever we chat like this, I told you we just need to go live with it. Um, <laughs> okay, come on, we're good at this. <laughs> good at it. Well, you know, and I think this goes into you know, Boss mentioned it in the comments. This is a challenge, and and I think that's part of where where this started. It's it's some of these conversations. It's the community that we're building. Is there is an ocean of tools out there that that all specialize in different things. Some all say the same things. 
and it can feel overwhelming. And, and I think that's where, you know, things like this to talk about your practitioner, your practitioner and specialist analogy really resonated by the way, Jordan. So I'm, while I'm not glad your back is, is not doing so hot. I'm glad it at least inspired a good analogy. Well, and I think, I think that's just the, the, the whole process here. We should go, you know, we think about, we, we would never, and when we come to our personal lives and that we would never with good conscience, not look for the specialist to help us with the problem. Right. Um, that's the kind of mindset we have to have internally when we're looking for technology solutions, because we have a responsibility. Responsibility isn't just for the business. You know, all of us, hopefully all of us have 401ks um, or saving for the future, probably investing in the stock market. Right. That makes you a shareholder. You're putting your money and trust into an organization to deliver on their promise and execute and manage that money the most efficiently. Right. And to get the best results, your household, like our household, if you're doing your household, right, you wouldn't. I'm going to go build a house and you're going to go get somebody, you know, you're going to come in. I'm going to have a guy who's a general contractor do my drywall or my electric. You would never not have an electrician do your electric unless you want your house to burn down. <laughs> right? right. You might get lucky and it might not work. Right. You may have an expert electrician. But, if you know, and there are some self do it do yourselfers out here who are making fun of me. But for all of us who can't use tools. Right. Uh, you know, aren't doing yourself. I got right? zapped a couple times. I knew, yeah. I knew, you know, there are certain yeah. things I just won't touch. Right. So, so electrician, right? you got the plumber, right? You know, I, there's like three things on the toilet that you check and then, okay, great. I'm out. Plumber. Yep. Right. You know, <laughs> right. So, so then again, you know, you don't go to the general contractor and say, go fix my toilet. They might be able to, but the reality is you want the plumber. You want it certified. You want to protect it. Right. We have this thing called certified. Right. I, you know, uh, and so if you think about that, when you're buying technology, you stop for a second. So wait a second. Okay. I just got trapped, right? We have a we have a usage. Let's say we have an engagement problem. I'm going to fix that by getting a better learning portal. Okay, let's break that down. What's the engagement problem? Number one problem is users find it too difficult to use. Great. What do they mean by too difficult to use? They can't search to find what they want. Awesome. Great. How much percentage of the company is that that are actually doing the searching? Well, what do you mean? Five wise, right? right? Digging into right. it. Right. Digging in. Right. Oh shit. Actually. I'm going to ask the second question. If we push this to you in the flow of work, would this matter? Yes. If you showed up with my team, I'd be super excited. Now I've asked all these questions as a good therapist, uncovers the problem, gets the person on their couch and give them the answers, right? And pulling you in there. And so I think that kind of makes us, you know, gets us a platform to say, okay, now I know the problem. And I have three vendors that solve the problem in three different ways. We may have to make shade offs, right? Yep. I may have to say, look, price, availability, language trans, whatever the needs are, these things dictate over the one single solution that's the best, but the single solution, they, they have a bad reputation in the market. They're yeah. the greatest technology, but they don't service their customers. I'm out, yeah. right? I'd rather take number two because that person gets on the phone or responds to the email. Well, and, and a comment that came through from, from Tony, and it's a good one, right? We talked earlier about, hey, on the, on the partnership side, uh, it's important for you know practitioners to do a good job being a partner so that you as vendors really are there and you have our backs. We have a responsibility to do the same. Um, or, you know, I think vendors also have a responsibility yeah. to do the same. And, and you've been very transparent about that because I can't count how many times where I've gone through the process and ultimately we've said, hey, it's not it's not the right fit, only to come back later and say, but you were you were so good in in the partnership, and now that need has risen, or we are at a level of maturity where we we are ready to go there. And then, right, you, you know who you call, you bring that back. So I think there's ample opportunity and ample room for that 
honesty, transparency, and trust to continue to improve. And it should be something you guys require as the, as the other side of the table. Because right. what you're doing there is you're breaking the model uh, that companies, have, you know, you're, you're challenging to find the good people. Um, and, I, and the humility part's big, the, the moral courage is big. But think about it this way, you, in today's world of technology buying, most of this has happened through electronic selection, right? I've gone to a website, I've been email bombarded to death. Um, I've clicked on an email, I've responded to that email. An SDR who's likely a person out of college who doesn't know how to spell enterprise, has never worked in a large company, has gotten the phone and start talking about feature and benefits. They've handed you off to the account manager yep. who may be three or four years a veteran from an SDR who's now running a rhythm, who's being metric and how fast they can get you yep. from A to B. They give you a demo, they give you a thing. You have to, now they're handing you a solution specialist. It's like the telephone game, right? Now you're the solution specialist. They're telling you how this problem is be solved. They got the expert in the room, right? The core thing you're not building is rapport and being that that you it, you force the agenda. You can say, look, I, I respond to this, but I have no interest in talking to anybody about the solution specialist. I don't want I'm not talking to your account manager. Yeah. Because what I want to do is I want to get immersive. I want to share our business pain. I want to see it how you've done it for other people. And if you can't demonstrate that for me, then that's okay. We're gonna go elsewhere. Yep. But it's a partnership because it's a rapport, right? It's the rapport up front, it gets us going. We build that rapport, it builds that trust, that bridge. And if the vendor on the other side is also hiding, guess what you just found? You want to run as fast as you can. Exactly. Exactly. And that's and, and that's where when I hear the things, you know, where, where it'll come up and, and I've, you know, people say, Oh, the the we were sold a bill of goods. Maybe, but that's a two-way street. That didn't happen on its own. You know, that due diligence that we can put in on our end can really, like you said, you you uncover these things early enough in the process that you, you, like you said, you can, you can run before you get down that path and go, how did we, how did we get here? We spent all this money, we did all this stuff, and now we're stuck with something that right. doesn't do what we thought it was going to. And I know we're running out of time, but I'll give our last analogy here. I think about that AT&T commercial, right? Where everything about the okay, you know, when they say, okay. you know, the person's okay, right? Nobody wants okay. You want the best. The best you can have, the best you can afford, the best you can do. That's and that comes from that research preparation and making and making that partnership where you have that actual transparency. And that's all before you get to the RFP. Because once you're in the RFP state, you're out of control. You've moved out. Now the buying process is without you in most companies, and you're being told you can't talk when you can talk and all those things. Now you're in a closed loop. Yep. So take the time, get the research, and uh, get going. Yeah. Nope. I think that's I think that's fantastic advice. You know, hopefully for those of you who have been tuning in and listening, you you're there are more than a multitude of takeaways that I think on both sides. I, and I know we have vendors and practitioners that both watch this. And I think there's lessons we can both take because we can do better. We can do better on both sides. There's there's room for improvement, um, but ultimately we need each other. And, you know, we need to be able to move through this successfully, ultimately, because it's not about us. That's the other thing that I think sometimes gets we get so hung up on us. It's like this isn't about us. This is about our employees. It's about our organizations. And the way we serve them best is by getting over ourselves and and really doing our best to move things forward. So yeah. um, this has been awesome, Jordan. I, I really appreciate you joining me again. I appreciate, you know, your candor and transparency. Uh, and just the opportunity to connect. And uh, for those of you watching, I, the comments have been blowing up. I've tried to to loop in as many as I can, um, but by all means, we'll we'll try and respond to those, uh, you know, here and there. But thanks, Jordan, for being here. Really appreciate the time. I hope you're back. I hope you're back uh, quickly. Quickly gets better, and you don't have to have surgery. But uh, you have a great weekend, and thanks everybody for watching.